Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have hit songwriter and one-third of the band, Track 45, Ben Johnson. I'm really excited to have Ben on the podcast today. You've heard all of his hit songs, such as Gone by Dirks Bentley and Best Thing Since Backroads by Jake Owen. Ben even has a cut on one of my favorite artist records, uh, Charlie Puth's Voice Notes album. He wrote his song Patient on that. You can hear the stories of how all these songs came to life and the story behind how Ben got to Nashville. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have hit songwriter and one-third of the band, Track 45, The Best Thing Since Backroads, Mr. Ben Johnson. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. So uh, getting right into it, you grew up in Meridian, Mississippi, and uh, you grew up with two other sisters that were musicians. What was it like growing up in a household of musicians? Yeah, so yeah, I grew up small town Mississippi, Meridian, and like you said, uh, my two sisters, Jenna and KK, um, we started a band when we were, let's see, I was 13, so KK was like seven, and Jenna was maybe 14, something like that, so uh, music's been a huge part of my life for a really long time, and it really started with my um, grandparents and my and our mom, um, all really loved music, our grandma taught us how to play piano. Our mom taught us how to sing harmony, and and just from there, I think just the the love of love of music was kind of built. Now, what age did you pick up the cello? Ah, wow, deep deep cut. You've done some research, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, let's see. So the cello. So I started playing piano when I was six. Like I said, my grandma taught me how to play piano, and then um, my um, parents said, you know, if you want to play another instrument, you can save up and buy it yourself. That way they knew I would really want to, to stick with it and learn it. So I decided I wanted to play the cello when I was nine. And I, you know, worked a summer picking up pine cones in people's yards to save up to buy the cello. I bought a $120 cello off eBay. And so, yeah, I was nine when I started cello. And then from there, I just started picking up different instruments. You know, it was like guitar and man, I mean, it's all about the girls when you get to like 13, 14. So then, you know, I was like, Cello's not impressing girls like I wanted it to, so I got I got to find a better instrument. So then I picked up, you know, guitar and and uh, electric guitar and 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 other instruments from there. And then, what age did you and your sisters kind of start gigging around uh, Meridian? Was that in your teenage years in high school? Yeah, so I think I was around thirteen at our first gig. We we joked that we started in the nursing home circuit because like we played in all the nursing homes. That's kind of how it started. Was just I did the going. same thing. That's so funny. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you have a very captive audience i'll say that um the, but you know it was really just uh started off you know just try to brighten people's day and we we learned i think jambalaya by hank williams and the one we knew and i like i knew two of the co- three chords and then jenna knew all three chords so we kind of but we could kind of sing it and sing harmony so we would go around uh town just anything and everything and then uh from there just started touring southeast um in our teenage years and then when i was about let's see, 18. Um, we were playing a show somewhere in Mississippi and a man came up to us after the, after the show and said, Hey, I think y'all are really good. I think y'all should move to Nashville. I think you have what it takes. And he said, I worked in the industry for, you know, 30 years or whatever. And I've, um, I've seen a lot and it turns out he had worked with Alan Jackson Campbell and his name was Mark. And he kind of gave us the belief that we, you know, could actually do it, um, for a living. And, and, and he was pretty qualified to say that. And so, um, owe a lot to owe a lot to Marty uh, for encouraging us to move up here. But yeah, so I was 18. KK was 
14 and Jenna was 19. We all moved up here together. So you were already living in Nashville when you accepted your cello scholarship to Belmont? No. So from when Marty told us that, um, you know, y'all should give it a go um, in Nashville because you got to be where the music is. That's one thing that I've learned. Um, that was I started looking at schools to try to train. I was in community college, so I, I started looking at school and I, I saw Belmont. And I was like, there's no way I'll be able, be able to afford Belmont. Um, totally. And so I started doing some digging and I found out they didn't have any cello players there. So I went to them and I said, Hey, if, if I, you know, play in the orchestra, will you pay for me to go to school here? And they said, yeah. So <laughs> worked out. Wow. So uh, was it right in your freshman year that you kind of started going around the local writing scene, kind of making your first connections? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think one thing we knew right away was that we weren't so good that other people would write our songs for us, have to learn how to write our own songs. Uh, so we definitely started, you know, co-writing right away and, and figuring out what that was. We didn't even realize what it was at first, really. But, you know, we going around to writers rounds, talking to people after rounds, trying to get numbers, build our network. And really uh, just part of the grind was we told ourselves we would write a, uh, every day for two years. And so we did, you know, including Saturdays and Sundays, we would write a song every day. So I don't know how many songs that ended up being, you know, almost 700 something songs. So we just knew, you know, the 10,000 hour rule um, is that, you know, you, you can't really master something until you put in the time. And so that was one of the things we tried to do as quickly as possible. And of course, you all the best laid plans, you know, then it takes longer and more work than you could ever expect. But um, that's something we've always really enjoyed is the process of anything. And we like working and, and we have a lot of fun um, just even when, you know, you're writing a song and no one ever hears it. There's still a lot of uh, joy and, you know, fun to be had in that process. For sure. Now, how soon after you started kind of going out and networking yourself, getting into writers groups, did you uh, meet Ashley Gorley, who's pretty much the biggest country writer of our time? Yeah, that's true. Um, so it was a while. So I think the first, the first person we met who was very instrumental in um, helping us out was a guy named Rutherford. And uh, he's a fantastic writer, wrote everything from Real Good Man, Tim McGraw, to um, When I Get Where I'm Going for Brad Paisley. And um, he, he kind of taught us about co-writing. And, and that was probably the first three, four years um, was before we met Ashley. And so KK had gone to, KK, my younger sister, had gone to a seminar at Belmont where Ashley was talking. And... Um, she came back and she was like, "Hey, you know what? I've just met this guy. We're so dumb. We didn't know who anybody was. This is some guy named Gorley. He seems like he's pretty, pretty good." And so um, we were like, "Okay." And so we um, ended up meeting him and playing some songs. And he was like, "You know, this is pretty good, um, but you know, I, I'm not really sure. I'm ready to pull the trigger on it yet. And I need to hear some more." And so I said, "Well, you know, if you could just agree to meet with me once." every month and just for 10 minutes or once every other month for 10 minutes and, and just tell me why my songs suck. I just knew I needed to get better. Uh, I said, I would really appreciate it. And I think he sensed like I was kind of a crazy person and I wasn't going to like go away maybe. And so um, he agreed to do that. And that honestly changed my life. You know, it had been probably four, like I said, four or five years since I moved here. And, and, you know, we were obviously doing the band together, but one of our goals was to all get publishing deals and um and i i had really been to 
almost every publisher at that point, I feel like I'd been to a lot of publishers and I've been turned down by pretty much everybody. And Ashley was the first person to kind of give me a chance to, to before I was just like, Hey, I know I'm not, you know, I know I'm not at your level, but teach me how to get better, how to level up. Totally. And so, so he did for, um, for about a year, I would, I would come out to his house, um, actually where I am right now. And I would play him songs and I would, um, I would just say, Hey, tell me why this sucks. Tell me why this sucks. How can I do this better? Um, and he would, and I grew exponentially from that process. Wow. And fast forward to about 2018. I'm really excited to talk about this because even though I do country music, Charlie Puth is one of my favorite all-time artists. And so when I saw that you were a writer on Patient on the Voice Notes record, I'd love to hear, how did you get connected with Charlie and how does like a natural writer get placed on a huge pop album like that? Yeah. So again, like I said, I was coming out playing Ashley's songs for about a year. And after about a year, I came out and I played him songs and he said, okay, you know, better. These are good in this. He said, well, play me and I, I don't know why he said this. It's just one of those God things, I guess. But he said, hey, play me something you would never, that you wouldn't play me normally. I said, well, I, you know, I kind of do some pop stuff too. And I said, hey, here's a song I did, you know, whatever. And I played Impatient. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. Can you text it to me? And I texted it to him. And the next morning at about 2 a.m., I got a phone call from him. And he, and he said, hey, I remember he said, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm sleeping, of course. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Why? He said, hey, you need to wake up. Uh, I've got Charlie Puth right here. He just recorded your song last night. No way. And I was the world. So it ended up, Charlie heard it, fell in love with it, made it his own. And that was right after Tension had come out. So um, that was a pretty, pretty big deal. And that really um, definitely jump-started my career in a big way. Now, I know Charlie did some early, like, keyboard session work in Nashville. Did you guys know each other prior, before he started his career? Or that was your first time kind of working together? I didn't even realize he did that. Um, no, that was our first time. He didn't know me from sliced bread. So <laughs> yeah, we didn't know each other. Well, that's awesome, man. So kind of what you're doing now, uh, you got back or you're the best thing since Backroads has been uh, tearing up the charts. I mean, it's always stuck in my head. Can you take us through like the day you wrote that? And did you know it was going to be such an electric song? Oh, man. Thank you. Um, best thing since Backroads. Let's see. That was the last session I did in 2019 wait 2019 no 2020 before thanksgiving and um it was me and some of my best friends in nashville uh hunter phelps jeff warburton and um jordan minton and what had happened was uh hunter and i were supposed to write and then our right got can with someone else and our right canceled and then jeff and jordan minton were supposed to write with someone else and their right got canceled so we said, hey, we all have the same day free. Let's just get together and, and write a song all together. So it was a last minute thing, literally happened that morning. And um, and yeah, we I had the vibe going already and I knew I wanted to do something kind of in the Fleetwood Mac, kind of older Alabama kind of sound. Um, and honestly, it was one of the most fun writing sessions I've ever done. We wrote the song really quickly. Jordan had the title and it was like, one of those things where everybody was firing out stuff, like everybody was contributing um, and we had so much fun writing it. And yeah, I think as soon as we finished it, like I remember that night, everyone was texting on the, on the group text, like, man, we crushed it. Ben sent us the, ben sent us the demo because I hadn't finished the demo yet. So I finished that night and, and yeah, we almost like celebrated as soon as we heard the demo just because we knew it was something special. Was Jake the first one you guys thought of to send it to, or was uh, did it end up just coming into his hands? No, I have a long and illustrious history of uh, getting Blake Shelton holds that don't work out. <laughs> so <laughs> that was one of them, but they don't 
with Blake, but end up working out with someone else. Uh, I probably named three other ones right now that let's see, uh, Michael Ray, Holy water. That was a Blake cold. And then, um, uh, uh, hot beer, uh, Dylan Carmichael. That was another Blake cold that ended up being whatever. So yeah, it was a Blake hold. And then for whatever reason, he, uh, decided not to cut it. And it was, we had a waiting list. Everyone in town kind of wanted it. Really? Um, I probably shouldn't even say who else <laughs> wanted it, but it was like a lot of other people wanted it. So we were pretty confident it would end up in good hands. And, um, Jake had ever since Jake had heard it and his team at big loud had heard it. They, they said, okay, as soon as it comes off hold with Blake, if it does, we want it. And so literally the day it came off hold, it, it got cut. Wow. Now, kind of going out of the timeline here, this happened before Backroads, but Give Heaven Some Hell, I think, is one of the coolest written songs like in the past couple of years. And I mean, an emotional song, too, with like such a rock influence. So it's a cool combination of things. Uh, do you remember anything about the writing of that? Who came in with that title? And is it based off a true story? Yeah, so I agree. Um, Give Heaven Some Hell, one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of. Um, really special song. Actually, we wrote it in this, this studio right here. Sat on that oh, couch wow. Like keyboard and the way that came about was hardy um hunter and i were writing a song which ended up being the first track in his album called truck and we we got into the end of the second verse and and someone had said um the the line now is but there's stories about his best friends that he can barely tell he's missing him like hell but the original line was but there's stories about his best friend that he can get barely tell because he's given heaven some hell and as soon as someone said that we all stopped and I was like, Hey, we, we need to write that as a whole song because that I just got like, we all got chills. Like the totally. moment, moment said, and so, um, we had to write again the next day. We had to write in the book, maybe the next day or the day after. And, um, and we were and Ashley, we pulled Ashley in cause he's the goat. And yeah, it was really quick again. Um, we had already sketched the song out and, um, and wrote the whole thing in about 30 minutes and knew it was something special. And, um, yeah, really, really grateful to be part of that song. And also played I play the dead guy in the music video, which is my my acting debut claim to oh, fame. Oh wow. <laughs> so uh kind of to close things out, I kinda like to ask everybody what their advice to is to be to someone that wants to be where you are, or even to your younger self. What's your advice to someone that wants to be a hit songwriter and artist in the music industry? And there's a lot of a lot of things I could say, I think. Um, first of all, you know, you have to love the process because if you're working for results, you know, the results may come or they may not, you know, um, it, it, this industry is so crazy and it's so difficult. You know, you're, you're up against not just everyone else in Nashville who has a guitar and is trying to do it, but everyone in the world who can, you know, has a phone and a computer and can record a song, you know, you're competing against so many people, but if you don't love the process, you'll burn out really quick. So, uh, make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Keep your head down. Um, and the comparison game to myself, I would say as a younger myself, I would say, you know, it's so easy to get lost in seeing what somebody's doing over there on the left, somebody's doing over there on the right. Um, but it's important not to really try to compare yourself, be happy for other people's success um, and don't get discouraged, you know, when you're not moving at the same pace as someone else. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Ben Johnson. Ben, thank you again so much for joining the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at TheOnlyBenJohnson2. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Nathan Barlow, multi-instrumentalist for Keith Urban and the creator of The Phantom. I want to give TBD Coffee Co. a big thank you for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Go check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. 
And give Starting Small Music a follow on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small. <laughs>